Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. Another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I'm Daryl Harrison. What up, wing man? I'm I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. You gotta you gotta keep the Omaha going. Everybody hits me up. That's my that's my that's my call sign now, man. That's your call sign now, man. That's the call sign. <laughs> they don't even know who the wingman is anymore. They just know Omaha, you know. You know what we need to do, man? We need to let Dwayne and Dwayne, let's go ahead and give him a heads up now. Uh, since since we're gonna sort of be promoting you here, man, it's Omaha. We can just go ahead and change the name of the podcast to Just Thinking with Daryl Harrison in Omaha. In Omaha, <laughs> Daryl in Omaha. All right, Dwayne. So you have been warned, bro. Yeah, yeah. Warned. We, we I, I might I might need to get some merch with that on it or something. I know, you know? man. You know, Dwayne can hook you up, man. I know he can, man. I know he can. He is the magic man. I will say that, no doubt you know, about that. D- Dwayne's like uh, he's like Heat Miser, man, from that old Christ- Christmas cartoon. You know, <laughs> where Heat Miser said, "Everything that I touch starts to melt in my clutch." Yeah. I'm too much. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne's too much, man. He is too much, man. If it can happen, he'll make it happen. Oh, I know he will. No doubt. Hardest working man in podcast land. No okay. doubt about it. He's Dwayne Atkinson, everyone, is the James Brown of podcasting. No doubt. No right doubt. Verse, James That's Brown no had doubt the about nickname. It. He was the hardest working man in showbiz as well. Absolutely. That's Dwayne, man. Hardest working man in, in podcast land. No doubt. No doubt. We love him. We're thankful for the hooking you and I together and 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 kind of kind of in the kitchen mixing the spices and knowing what would work together well. And so uh we're back at it doing it again, man. I'm glad to be with you tonight, man. Yeah, same here, man. It's 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 really, you know, in God's providence. Um, you know, I don't believe in accidents, coincidences uh serendipity karma all that stuff i don't believe in that i believe every single thing every iota every jot and tittle mm-hmm. uh is accomplished by god's sovereign providence mm. and that goes through this episode that we're going to be talking about tonight i just think it's really interesting that last week we're talking about the sanctity of life yes uh with respect to abortion yep and fantasy yep and this week we're still talking about the sanctity of life Yes, we are. Yes, we so are. We're dealing with another sort of topic on the opposite end of that spectrum, some would say, yep. in uh, dealing with the topic of suicide. Yeah, man, it's just been it's been crazy. The the, the previous episode seemed to be incredibly well received and, and folks talking about uh, how it helped them kind of land on some things biblically with regard to the issue. Um, man, I, I've even I even had Daryl. I think I shared this with you. I had a, a guy reach out to me who, again, because of the because yeah. of the because of you saying Omaha, yeah. he recognized he was in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, and and kind of reached out, kind of on a one off, and said, "Hey, you know, heard about what you're doing via the podcast. Uh, how often do you go to the abortion clinic? You know, I would love to schedule a time to go with you and to learn and." Uh, that kind of thing. So, man, I'm just I'm so pleased that that God has allowed us to use this platform and and to have you know things like that happen as a result of some things that we talk about is an absolute blessing. So, yeah, and that's another example of how this podcast is is not about me and you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always, from the moment we launched this in late uh, 2017, mm-hmm. 
been about using this as a platform to get the gospel out mm-hmm. to those who are listening. Mm-hmm. And that's a great example of how God, as he says in his word, right, that I have, uh, I, I am watching over my word to perform it, he yeah. says. Uh, and and that, that's not just formally reading from the scriptures. And when I say formally, I mean, your Bible is open, you're at a an organized Bible study, or you're mm-hmm. in church in a sermon, mm-hmm. preaching the word of God is open in the context of a sermon. Uh, so that's what I mean when I say formally, uh, the, the gospel is, is, is going forth, but informal in, in, in uh, mediums like this. Yeah. We, yeah. We open the word of God, but uh, you know, we don't know. I can't tell you right now who's listening to this. Right. Uh, you know, God knows that. And God is going to, according to his providential will, his foreordained purpose, he is going to work his word in the hearts of those whom he chooses who may be listening to this. So yeah. which, which puts sort of even more seriousness, more of an impetus on me and you to rightly divide the word yes. uh, uh, it, it, with regard to uh, how God may choose to work his word mm-hmm. in the hearts of, of folks who are listening to this. Absolutely. And it's, it's awesome to, to be on the other side and to see what happens. You know, you, you and I tee up topics that, that you feel led uh, for us to kind of dive into and walk through and um, we get a chance to do that. And then, you know, to step back and see how God would use it is, is always an incredible uh, encouragement, whether it's an, whether it's an encouragement to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to believers who find us in social media or what have you, or, or man, there's so many times, you know, Daryl, when I, I'll, I'll see, you know, we'll get inboxed by somebody and, and, you know, by chance, both you and I are kind of in the medium and you're responding to specific questions and helping people to get, get clarity about the, the biblical worldview perspective on the topic we've chosen. So it's been, it's been awesome to witness, man, and see how God would use it. Yeah. And, and we're, we're back here again with that same goal in mind, you know, different topic. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's totally on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, last week we we're talking about abortion and the uh, God bringing into this world, a new life. Uh, here we are now addressing what the gospel has to say about suicide yeah. and the take one taking a life, life. out of this world. Yeah. Uh, so when we were talking about life coming into the world, next mm-hmm. week we're talking about life going out of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's beautiful about the gospel is that it does address all these subjects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the gospel does address uh, suicide. And I want us to sort of delve into that tonight and by God's grace, perhaps, someone who is listening to this may themselves be helped mm-hmm. or they may, by virtue of listening to this episode, may know someone who may be helped by listening to this episode. So uh, let me just say at the outset that this episode uh, is not meant to be an exhaustive treatment of the issue of suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, this is not, uh, uh, you know, I am not a, uh, a biblical psychologist. I am not a biblical psychotherapist. I am a biblical counselor. So mm-hmm. you will hear uh, me uh, doing what I normally would do, regardless of what the issue is. And that is opening the word of God to see what his word has to say about this. That's good. And his word has a lot to say mm-hmm. about the, uh, this, the, uh, the topic of suicide, though you won't know, you won't see the word suicide in the, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That word is not there. Um, uh, 
what the principle is, the precept is. There are instances of suicide in the Bible. There's several instances of actual suicide in the Bible, Mm -hmm. though the word suicide is not used. Uh, But I thought it was interesting with the news that broke last week on a couple of occasions, Mm -hmm. um, only a couple days apart, as a matter of fact, when we first came across the news of the uh, fashion designer Kate Spade. Yeah. Uh, committing suicide. I believe she was only in her mid fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of days later, uh, the uh, celebrity uh, chef and world traveler, uh, food critic and author Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. uh, news broke that he committed suicide. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and these are people who seemingly had it all. Right. Right. They had wealth, notoriety, popularity, and here they are committing suicide and taking their own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought it was interesting verse that when a, when a person commits suicide, especially someone who is well known as were uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. you know, invariably the question becomes, somebody's going to ask the question, well, why did they do it? Right. Right. Why did they make such a, uh, why did they make such a definitive, unalterable, un- irreversible decision? Mm-hmm. to take their own life, regardless of the means and how they did it. Absolutely. It's interesting, too, uh, that, you know, this is more and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in this in this assessment. But this is an issue that more commonly you think about regarding um, adolescents. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or people who are struggling with their identity. Uh, and, I, and I don't mean that in the sense of kind of what we've come to known as, as, you know, as gender dysphoria or anything like that, but just, just kind of growing up in adolescence, who am I, how do I fit into this world? And, uh, you know, and and maybe having some struggles navigating that well. Um, These were people who were, who were in their, you know, their middle ages, you know, uh, Kate Winslet, as you, I'm sorry, Kate Spade, as you mentioned, uh, uh, 55 years old, uh, Anthony Bourdain, 61 years mm-hmm. old. And to the mm-hmm. point you made earlier, these are people who from the outlook of everything would have, I mean, have, have the world at their fingertips, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, well-known, uh, wealthy people uh, who, who you would think uh, based upon the world standard of what we would deem success uh, absolutely would have it in their hand. Yeah. And, and then that belies the world's, definition of what values mm. what matters in life right Absolutely. those those very things that we're talking about you know having your uh you know attaining material wealth uh, attaining notoriety mm-hmm. uh, attaining a certain number of likes and follows mm-hmm. uh on social media mm-hmm. but as we're going to talk about in this episode no that that's not why we're here uh, to acquire. That's not why we're here. And that should not be acquiring things, acquiring wealth, acquiring notoriety. That should not be the impetus for uh, why we uh, find purpose in life, how we find purpose in life and how we define things like success mm. and uh, 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 relevance and things of that nature. So, you know, I passed along to you an article earlier, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was earlier today, Verge. I just want to talk briefly about, just to sort of give us some context about the sure. breadth of yeah. this issue that we're dealing with respect to suicide. So mm-hmm. uh, the article pointed out that according to the CDC, according to the Centers for 
disease control, suicide rates in the United States have increased 25% mm-hmm. between the years of 1996 and 2016. So in a 20 year span, suicide rates in the U S alone have increased 25%. Mm-hmm. And if that study points out that race rates of suicide have increased in 49 of the 50 states. Right. 49 of the 50 states. What was interesting to see is is two things based upon the article. And I, again, I I don't want to interrupt your, your train of thought. I no, just go ahead. noticed I just noticed when I when I when I'm looking at at the map uh where where this where it's breaking down the suicide rate, you know, suicide rates by state. Mm-hmm. The the largest increases are in places where you would not think uh, that they would be, you know, you, you would mm-hmm. think, and again, this is just kind of, you know, the, the you know, the, the general thought process or consensus, this would be in, in areas where there's, you know, low, low, a lot of poverty, a lot of, you know, a lot of rejection, a lot of that kind of thing. And these are, these are in predominantly, you know, white states uh, uh, where, where I would say that the that the minority population would be rather low, you know, places places like Idaho, places like yeah. Utah, place, yeah. you know, those those kinds of states and places where you're thinking, wow, it's it's really it's really it's really interesting. And I, I'd heard uh, someone talk about this and discuss this. I think it was Ben Shapiro who it, who had made the statement that that suicide is is much more a more common. Uh, in in where there is affluence, this is more of a first world problem than it is a third world problem, as I think the statement that he had made. Yeah, and I think that co- that kind of uh, uh, falls in line with the train of thought that I want to kind of continue uh, during this episode. In that you have, I think the more our the more affluent our society becomes, mm. the, the less interpersonal we become. Uh, at the same time, because I That's think good. to a large extent, again, I can't quantify this. And this episode is not intended to go into a deep dive into statistics and sure. uh, cause and effect and things of that nature, at least not from a worldly standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that there is a uh, there, there's something to be said about how affluence makes us less relational. Mm. Um, and I think to a to a great extent, many people commit suicide because they're lonely. Mm-hmm. They're lonely. Um, I was thinking about the term social media mm. today, and how when you really look at it, it's 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 rather a contradiction in terms. Now, it's called social media from the standpoint that the technology allows right. large numbers of people to engage with one another socially. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we're re- engaging with one another relationally. Now, when I say relationally, I'm just simply speaking of on the level where we engage in a discourse with one another about things that matter. That's good. Okay. Um, I'm going to put my counseling hat on for this episode versus quite a bit. So you'll hear me citing some, uh, some, some uh, well-respected, well-read, reliable uh, biblical writers and counselors. But I came across a quote 
from Ed Welch's book. Ed Welch has a book called Side by Side, Walking with Others in Wisdom and Love. And Welch says this. He says the basic idea is that those who help best are the ones who both need help and give help. A healthy community is dependent on all of us being both. Mm. We all need help. That's simply part of being human. The help we need goes beyond things like getting our house painted or finding a good mechanic. It's deeper than that. We need help for our souls, especially when we are going through hardship. Help can be as simple as connecting with someone who understands or with someone who genuinely says, I'm so sorry. Now listen to how Wells closes out this paragraph. He says, we were not designed to go through hard things alone. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that from Genesis one or Genesis two, Genesis two, where God himself says it is not good for a man to to what verse be alone. That's right. To be alone. Well, says we were not designed to go through the hard things alone, but he continues. He says, but it's not easy to ask for help. Mm. We spend a lot of time hiding our neediness because we are afraid of what people will think. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a primary reason why a lot of people who commit suicide do so out of a sense of loneliness. Mm. And to the extent that they are afraid of what people like me will think about them, then that's Mm -hmm. on me. Mm -hmm. That's on me because I'm a sinner. And if I give off that impression to someone who is in need, that's something that I need to repent of. Yeah. That's something I need to repent of. Now, again, I can't quantify the numbers uh, with respect to how, how many individuals commit suicide because uh, out of a motivation that they were lonely or they felt no one cared. Right. Uh, I can't quantify that. And again, that's not the purpose of this conversation. What we want to do tonight is help those who are listening, who themselves may need help or who they may know of someone uh, or who may know of someone who needs help, understand what the word of God says about this issue. And I really want to start at square one. And that is in defining what suicide is. Let's do it. Now, biblically speaking, Suicide is self-murder. Suicide is self-murder. But there's a certain irony when it comes to looking at suicide from the standpoint of the gospel and that we must start not with the end of life, but with the beginning of life. Mm -hmm. That is, we must start with the reality that every human being is conceived bearing the image of God. Amen. That's where we must start in talking about suicide. Mm-hmm. We must not begin at the end of a life. We need to start this conversation in biblical terms with the beginning of life. So I'm going to read from Genesis 1 verses 25 through 27. As usual, I'll be reading from the NASB. Mm-hmm. Uh, Genesis 1, 25 through 27. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, 
and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, three times in that very last verse, in verse 27 of Genesis 1, is reiterated the fact. You see the phrase created, created, created. Mm -hmm. Three times in that last verse. Now, why is it important in a conversation about suicide to understand that we are created in the image of God? Mm. Well, the reason it's important is because being created in the image of God is what ascribes value to life. That's it. That's what ascribes value to human life. That human beings are created in the image of God it is that is exactly why when we see a dead squirrel verge or a dead deer along the side of the road, mm-hmm. we don't pull over and call 911 and ask for an ambulance. Right. But if right. we saw a human being lying on the side of the road, you'd immediately pull your car over, dial 911, call for the police, call for an ambulance. You would try mm-hmm. to give attention to that individual. Absolutely. Your reaction your reaction is a response to an innate awareness that that human being lying on the side of the road is an image bearer of God. Not just that they're a human being, not, not just that they're not an animal, right? No, you react that way instantaneously, immediately, instinctively, because what God has placed in you, that is that awareness that you that that person on the side of the road is an image bearer of God, just like you. That's where that reaction comes from. Absolutely. That okay. that's that, that's the whole reason why you don't have have you, you don't use the word murder to 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 describe the, you know the, the killing or hunting of an animal. Right. You don't, you don't murder exactly right. an animal. You know, or animals don't murder one another. Right. right. They they hunt to kill. Um, there's there's a there's a difference and a distinction based upon the fact that the animals are not image bearers of God, that human beings are image bearers of God. Exactly right. We made that point last week in the episode on abortion. We mm-hmm. made that exact same point. Mm-hmm. You cannot murder an animal. An animal can die, but an animal cannot be deceased. The only thing that can the only uh, life form, if you will that can be murdered, that can be deceased is the form in whom God has breathed the breath of life. And he has, he has only done that with human beings. Okay. So yes, animals can get killed. Animals can die, but animals cannot be murdered. Okay. They cannot become deceased. Only that applies only to human beings. So, we're talking about murder. We're talking about the Imago Dei. That is the image of God. And that is why when we're talking about suicide, we must start at the beginning of life, not the end. Okay. So just, just sort of to park on that idea of self-murder, which which biblically speaking is what suicide is. Um, I was thinking about the sixth commandment, right? Verse the sixth commandment. 
says thou shalt not murder. Mm-hmm. We see that in Exodus 20, 13. Uh, you know, so we, we normally think of the sixth commandment in terms of God's prohibition against one person murdering another person. Mm-hmm. Rarely, rarely, if ever, do we think of the sixth commandment in terms of a person murdering himself. That's good. That's good. Or herself. Okay. That's why it's important to understand that suicide, biblically speaking, is self murder. Mm-hmm. Suicide is also murder. It's murder of self. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in considering that a little bit further um, about the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, also being applicable to the commission of suicide, I was reminded of question 99 in the Westminster Lar- Larger Catechism. Look at you, man. This is. Uh, Question 99 Mm -hmm. in the Westminster Larger Catechism, okay? It reads this way. Question 99, what rules are to be observed for right understanding of the Ten Commandments? What rules are are to be observed for right understanding of the Ten Commandments? Now, the answer, which is in several subsections to question 99, reads this way. What rules are to be observed for right understanding of the Ten Commandments? that what God forbids is at no time to be done. Mm. What God forbids is at no time to be done. Now, the, so the, the natural question is, well, what does God forbid? Well, as we've been discussing, God forbids murder. Mm-hmm. God forbids murder in the sixth commandment. So Westminster says that what God forbids is at no time to be done. What he commands is always our duty. And yet every particular duty is not to be done at all times that under one sin or duty, all of the same kind are forbidden or commanded together with all the causes, means, occasions, and appearances thereof and provocations thereunto that what is forbidden or commanded to ourselves, we are bound according to our places to endeavor that it may be avoided or performed by others according to the duty of their places, end quote. So Westminster Larger Catechism, question 99, is affirming with respect to the sixth commandment that prohibits murder, regardless of whether it's one person murdering another person or with respect respect to a person murdering themselves, mm-hmm. uh, as, in, as is the case in a suicide, Westminster is saying, both situations are forbidden. Mm. Both. What God forbids is at no time to be done. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I want to interject something really briefly yeah, because I, I know you're on a roll. Some oftentimes when, when we get messages, people reaching out, we're using terms and ideas. Um, we're using Westminster. We're talking about the London Baptist Confession of Faith. Uh, we're dropping these things. And, and there, there are some of our listeners who are unaware of what you're referencing or where you're, what you're talking about. I know, I know what you're referencing. Uh, they may not know what you're referencing. And, and it may be good just to, just to briefly mention here that, that Westminster, the Westminster you're referring to, refers to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Mm-hmm. Of, of 1647. It's a document that's important for those who maybe have children. It, I think it's an important confession for all of us to take a look at and mm-hmm. learn and know about. But for those who have children, the, the, the catechisms are a wonderful way to indoctrinate your children 
with with tenets of the faith. I'm I'm of course a, I'm a fan of the London Baptist Confession uh, of Faith of 1689. And so again, those are some things. And again, I, slight slight rabbit trail, but I wanted to I wanted to make sure that as you were talking, people know where to anchor what you're saying, and so they can go and do their own research and then begin making the making themselves available to those resources. Yeah, that's a great point, Verge. That's not a rabbit trail at all. As a matter of fact, now that you bring that up, it reminds me to make sure I include a link to the Westminster Catechism in the episode notes for this particular uh, show. So we'll make sure that there's a link there for that for those who uh, might be new uh, to the Westminster. There are are many catechisms Mm -hmm. out there that Reformed uh, Christians uh, subscribe to. Uh, Like you, Verge, I primarily subscribe to the uh, London Baptist Confession mm-hmm. 1689, mm-hmm. but uh, but I read them all. Sure. I read Westminster, I read Heidelberg, you yep. know, whatever I can get my hands on, yep. I'll read it. And I thought that the context of the conversation that we're having tonight, the Westminster kind of fit better, but you bring up a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I've, I've been reformed for only a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, it wasn't only about three or four years ago that I was ignorant of all this. I'd never heard of the Westminster Confession before. Right. Right. Uh, you know, so we live and learn. Right. So absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll definitely have a link uh, to the uh, Westminster Catechism out mm-hmm. in the episode. No. So I appreciate your mission. That verge. Absolutely. Uh, I want to I want to uh, uh, kind of keep uh, keep it real here for, for like we always do. But we want to keep it real here because I think uh, I think it's important for us to as Christians to acknowledge contrary to a lot of the, you know, your best life now prosperity mm-hmm. gospel that's running rampant in the world today is to acknowledge that the Bible includes accounts of individuals who uh, you might say actually suffered uh, from depression. They, they, mm-hmm. they, they suffered uh, bouts of doubt, mm-hmm. uh, bouts of uh, being spiritually uh, depressed. Uh, take Job chapter seven, verses one through three, uh, where Job Job is lamenting here. Uh, he says, "Is not a man forced to labor on earth, and are not his days like the days of a hired man, as a slave who pants for the shade, and as a hired man who eagerly waits for his wages? So am I allotted months of vanity, and nights of trouble are appointed me." When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? But the night continues and I am continually tossing until dawn. Mm. Now, there, there is a man who was troubled in his spirit. Uh, again, Job in chapter 14, verse 13, Job fourteen thirteen. Oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would conceal me until your wrath returns to you. So contrary to how many so-called prosperity gospel, health and wealth, uh, live your best life now, uh, preachers would posit the gospel to those who might hear it. The Christian life is a life of suffering. Uh, The Christian life is a life of suffering, Mm -hmm. let alone those who aren't Christians. Okay. Uh, so one of my favorite texts is Philippians one twenty nine. So Philippians one twenty nine reads this for to you, that is believers. He's talking to believers here for to you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, 
not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Philippians 1.29, For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So don't ever be uh, fooled into thinking that the Christian life is a life of milk and honey, bed and roses, or whatever other <laughs> euphemism uh, you want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned verse before we got on the air here that my pastor, uh, Butch Rumble, mm-hmm. uh, just began a series, a summer series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And in his sermon on yesterday, which would have been Sunday, June 10th, he quoted Blaise Pascal. And I thought this, this uh, quote from Pascal was so profound that I would steal it and use it uh, in this episode that we're recording tonight, because I think this has a lot to do with the motivation many people who go forward and commit suicide have mm-hmm. uh, with respect to believing that there's nothing to live for, or perhaps they've been searching for something to live for and just never found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blaise Pascal said this, he said, as men have not been able to cure death, misery, or ignorance, they have taken to not thinking about it so as to become happy. Mm. As men have not been able to cure death, misery, or ignorance, they have taken to not thinking about it. Right. So has to become happy. Right. I think Pascal's absolutely right. Absolutely. He's right. I think he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that brought to mind, you know, you know, I, I happened to uh, maybe a week and a half or so ago, uh, I tweeted a message that, and I think about this a lot. I don't, I don't talk about it a lot but it does cross my mind a lot about how uh, people in general avoid talking about death. Absolutely. We avoid talking about the reality of death mm-hmm. um, and that, that that is something that awaits us all uh, unless Christ returns. Uh, but I think uh, it, it's, it's ironic that, you know, when, when news comes across like it did last week, Right. With uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, you wonder what do they think they're they're escaping to? Right. That's a great question. Now, we know. Great question. Right. right. We have an idea what they think they're escaping from. Right. 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 But but what do what are they thinking that they're escaping to? And that's a great question. You see. And that's where the gospel comes in. Mm. That's where the gospel comes in. The gospel gives even the most spiritually depressed. And I want to, I want to pause here and say the reason I keep mentioning the term spiritual depression, because depression is first and foremost spiritual. It is a spiritual condition of the soul. Mm. It is where the soul has lost hope. Mm -hmm. It is where the soul feels defeated. The soul feels hopeless. The soul feels purposeless. It reminds me of a quote by a gentleman by the name of David Gibson. David Gibson said, life is meant to be enjoyed, not mastered. Right. And I think people, especially people who may be on the precipice and then go through with committing suicide, they're under, they feel that they're under so much pressure by the world to master life. Yes. 
You got to master it. You got, you've got to be excellent at everything. Mm. Everything you touch, like Midas, must turn mm-hmm. to gold. Mm-hmm. But if you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes doesn't teach that. No, it does not. It doesn't teach that. Um, I I tweeted something the other day where, you know, I think about the uh, the book that was all the rage, right? The Purpose Driven Life. Right. And I was thinking about that the other day when, when news of uh, Kate Spades and Anthony Bourdain's suicide broke. And I was thinking, man, you had tens of millions of people mm-hmm. spending whatever they spent to buy a book titled The Purpose Driven Life. When God has already told you what that is in two verses, mm-hmm. in two sentences, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, you could have saved your money on that book. <laughs> if you just, and listen, listen how easy this, this text is to remember. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not into scripture memorization, this was easy. Just rena- remember the book, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. So you got Ecclesiastes and then sequential numbers, 12, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Here's your purpose driven life in two sentences. The writer writes in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Mm-hmm. For God will bring every act to judgment everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. That's purpose-driven life right there. Uh There's your purpose. Fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Uh Every person. Uh, David Gibson goes on to say, he says, accepting death is the first step in learning to live. Wise people simply accept that they are going to die. Now, you don't ever want to hear of someone dying by suicide. No. But suicide, to a great degree, as we said at the top of the uh, episode, a 25% increase in suicides just in the past 20 years in the United States. Mm -hmm. But suicide is a reality. Self-murder is a reality. And you and I are talking about this because we're passionate that the gospel is the only hope. It's the only hope. I, I, I go back to what you said just moments ago, which I thought was really, 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 really smart. I, you said, we know what they believe themselves to be escaping from. But the real question is, what are they, what in their mind, based upon their understanding uh, of, of, of the Bible, of Scripture, uh, or lack thereof, do they believe themselves to be going to? Right. You know what? What? You, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, what, what do you think you're escaping to? I mean, you you think there's just non-existence? What? What? What is going on in your mind? And 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 the fact that you can't that you can't handle life that you're that that life is at this point overwhelming is the is the proper posture that puts you in the right place to understand, accept, and receive the gospel. Mm-hmm. But you've determined, like, like, uh, like Judas, that rather than submit the, and bow the knee to, to, to Christ and him crucified, 
you're going to figure out this thing all on your own. Right. Yeah. And your conclusion in figuring that out is to take your own life. Right. Right. That's the conclusion that you come to. That's what mm-hmm. you figure. That's what your calculation has led you to deduce mm-hmm. that the best outcome for me is to take my own life mm-hmm. to self murder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and, and again, I can only hypothesize about what someone like a Kate Spade was thinking, someone like an Anthony Bourdain was thinking. Mm -hmm. But again, we reflect back and the world will say, man, they, they had it all. They had everything going for themselves, but listen to Psalm 6210. Psalm 6210. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Mm. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. What does John tell us in first John two chapter first uh, John chapter two, verse 15. John warns us, right? Verge. Mm-hmm. He says this, he says, do not love the world, right? Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in not him. In him. Mm-hmm. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life mm-hmm. is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Mm-hmm. Lives forever. The world, this world is passing away. It's passing away now mm-hmm. as we speak. The world and everything in it is passing away. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, I want to read a quote by Henry Smith. Henry Smith was a Puritan. Uh, came across this quote as I was preparing for this episode. Smith says this, and I, I especially want to hear. I, I, I want folks to listen to this who may be of a uh, of an inclination to uh, to achieve. There's nothing wrong with goals and having mm-hmm. objectives in, in, in and of themselves. Right. But when you place them on such a pedestal that you lose perspective that they will one day burn up and go away. Hopefully this quote by Henry Smith will, uh, will bring you some perspective to that. Smith says this, he says, mighty and gracious Lords. That's small L he, he's uh, addressing mighty and gracious Lords. I will tell you to what your honor shall come. First, you shall wax old like others. Then you shall fall sick like others. Then you shall die like others. Then you shall be buried like others. Then you shall be consumed like others. Then you shall be judged like others. Even like the beggars which cry at your gates. One sickens, the other sickens. One dies, the other dies. One rots, the other rots. Look in the grave and show me which was Dives and which was Lazarus. Mm. This is some comfort to the poor that once he shall be like the rich. One day he shall be as wealthy and as glorious as a king. Mm -hmm. One hour of death will make them all alike. Yeah. So if, 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 if spades, 
and Bourdain's suicides haven't taught us anything. Mm -hmm. It has taught us to be mindful of the worthlessness yes. of this world's treasures. Yes. Absolutely worthless. Mm -hmm. They were both millionaires. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of the uh, an account where uh, John D. Rockefeller Sr. Uh, passed away. And someone asked uh, his accountant uh, at a memorial service, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I understand that Mr. Rockefeller was a very wealthy man. Just curious to know how much did he leave behind? His accountant <laughs> said all of it. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. He left all of it. Mm -hmm. All of it. Mm -hmm. Looking at Psalm 49, verse, again, just trying to give some perspective from the word of God. Psalm 49 verses 10 through 12. No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For he sees that even wise men die. Mm -hmm. The stupid and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses are forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They have called their lands after their own names, but man in his pomp will not endure. He is mm -hmm. like the beasts that perish. Mm -hmm. He is like the beasts that perish. You know, Virgil, I like to watch uh, CNBC. Yes. Uh, you know, I spent many years in, in the banking and finance field. I like mm -hmm. to watch the, the markets, the stock markets and these mm -hmm. changes. Uh, you know, you see... Uh, people like Warren Buffett uh, and others who are, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos at Amazon mm -hmm. were tens of billions, billions of dollars. Of dollars. Mm -hmm. But see, the reality is, is, is that when, when they die, just like me and you, mm -hmm. they're going to leave every penny here. Yeah. It's a great every leveler. Penny. It's yeah. a great leveler. Like we just, mm -hmm. like we just read, mm -hmm. like we just read. In Psalm 49, but man in his pomp will not endure. He is like the beasts that perish. Mm. The rich and the poor alike all go to the same place, it yeah. says in Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Okay. Good. I know we're coming up on time. Yeah, we're coming up on time a little bit, man, but I definitely want to want to hear you unpack. I know you've got a couple of other things you're wanting to share with those who are listening that I think are important for us to to make sure we get into this segment with regard to this issue. Yeah, I want to I want to close here with a quote from uh, the doctor, mm -hmm. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, affectionately known as the doctor. The doctor. Yep. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book, Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cure. Notice it's not causes and cures, it's causes and cure. Yeah, that's good. In the gospel, okay? I want to I close with this quote, Verge. Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, the human person is very delicately and finely balanced. Fundamentally, we all have the same general characteristics, but the relative proportions vary tremendously from case to case. And so our temperaments vary and differ. It is very important that we should bear that in mind. But ah, says someone, we are Christians now. And when a person becomes a Christian, all such differences are demolished. Now, that is the essential fallacy with respect to this whole matter. There is no profounder change in the universe than the change which is described as regeneration. Mm. But regeneration, 
the work of God in the soul by which he implants a principle of divine and spiritual life within us mm-hmm. does not change a man's temperament. Your temperament still remains the same. The fact that you have become a Christian does not mean that you have that you cease to have to live with yourself. You will have to live with yourself as long as you're alive. <laughs> and yourself is yourself mm-hmm. and not somebody else's self. It's not somebody else's self. So I want to close with that uh, and say as an encouragement to everyone listening that if you know someone or even if you yourself are struggling with depression, if you you are feeling hopeless, Mm -hmm. turn to the the word of God. Turn Mm -hmm. to God's word. It has the answers for whatever problem you're facing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's at the end of the day, that's really that's really the bottom line. We we have a tendency to to look to every everything else for answers, right? Uh and, and I, I love how you teed it up uh at the beginning. I think you 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 approach things like psychology and psychiatry and you know all those kinds of things as the common grace of God, um, as, as that which God places for us in the earth to deal with issues of life. That's God's common grace, his common umbrella. But all of those things should point us directly to our need for the cure, right? Yes. Which is him. Yes, and only him. Absolutely. And Absolutely. only him. Absolutely. Now, Verge, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break a rule here. Okay. I'm going to rely on Dwayne's expertise to make this work. Okay. When the episode is released on Wednesday, but I have to get another quote in here. Go for it. Go for it. We got a little bit of time. Go for it. I kind of have to blame you for this because what you just said, man, really connects Mm -hmm. to what I'm going to quote here from uh, Lloyd Jones. Once again, this is a somewhat lengthy quote, Okay. but my heart is burdened for those who are unsaved, who don't know Christ as their Mm -hmm. savior, who are walking in this life with no purpose, no Mm -hmm. direction, Please hear this. What Jones says this, when God originally made and created this world, we are told that God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. He was well pleased with it. It was perfect. And it was because of that, that the devil in his jealousy and his malice was determined to mar and ruin that work and to concentrate his efforts, especially upon the supreme work of God, which was the creation of man. If only he could bring man down, then the very acme of creation would be marred. So he concentrated, as we remember, upon the woman and beguiled her, and she in turn misled her husband, and so man fell. But the story of humanity does not end at that point. God purposed and planned a great way of redemption. This is beyond any question the outstanding this is beyond any question the outstanding glory of God. Redemption is a greater work than even creation, and especially when we consider the way in which God has achieved it even through the sending of his only begotten son into the world and all the marvel and the wonder and the miracle of the incarnation but above all in delivering him up to death upon the cross. This is the supreme thing that sinful fallen man can be redeemed and restored 
and ultimately the whole of creation also. Obviously, the supreme concern of the adversary, the devil, the opponent, is to endeavor somehow or other to bring this work of God to discredit and to dishonor. To this end, he makes a special object of attacking the heirs of salvation. Mm. And there is nothing which so suits his purpose as to depress us and to bring us down, to give the impression that this boasted salvation is but a figment of the imagination and that we who believe it have believed cunningly devised fables. Mm. And what better way of doing that than to bring us into a condition that we give the impression of being depressed, burdened, and miserable. That's Satan's tactic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the cure cure is the gospel. The cure is the gospel. The cure is the gospel. Mm -hmm. So my prayer for you, if you're listening, and you feel hopeless, you feel directionless, you feel worthless, you feel that no one values you, trust me, hear me when I say this. God created you in his image. That's good. In his, listen, the image of the God who created the entire universe. Mm -hmm. When you believe that, when you grab hold of that, trust me, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you. Mm -hmm. No one, no one matters apart from what God who created you in his image thinks of you. Turn Mm -hmm. to God's word. There you will find the hope that you need. Amen. That's that's uh, that that closes out another edition of the Just Thinking podcast. I'm hopeful that this has been a blessing to you. That it's an opportunity for you to listen, re-listen, share it with a friend, a neighbor, a loved one. Put it on the shelf, re-listen. There's some great value. Uh, in what was shared as we open up the word of God, as we do on every broadcast. It's always a pleasure to connect with you, Daryl. And uh, just for our listeners, uh, check in, check back in with us next week for another d- edition of the Just Thinking Podcast.